Welcome to the Daily Word and Prayer. This is Friday morning, March 5th. I'm glad you're with me, with us. If this is your first time, welcome. We're glad to have you along. Make sure that you come back regularly. As we've been saying here, you get in the Word of God every day, day after day, week after week, month after month, it'll change your life. If you pray over the Word of God as well, it'll change your life even more. We want to be getting the Word of God deep within us. And that's what we work to do here. That's what we are trying to be diligent in, getting the Word of God deep within us. And so I want to thank you for being with us. And I pray this time will be a blessing in your life. I know it is in mine as well. We are getting close to the end of 1 Peter. And it's interesting, as we finish this book, I want to ask you a question. What do you think of when you think of grace? In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says we are saved by grace through faith. And that faith, of course, is in our Lord Jesus Christ. As we have faith in Jesus Christ and he being our Savior, our Lord, the one who died and rose again, that faith in Jesus saves us. We don't save ourselves. We're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's God's gift to us, his grace. And grace has the same root word as the word gift. And it means that God gives us salvation. And so we think usually when we think of grace, we think of salvation, grace, salvation, uh, saving faith. But at the end of 1 Peter, Peter writes an interesting thing. Let's start with verse 12. Chapter 5, verse 12. Through Silvanus, or that's, that's Silas, same person, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God, stand firm in it. What's the true grace of God? What does he mean when he says this is the true grace of God? Well, what's the book been about? What's the whole theme of the book? Let's do some reviewing here. In chapter 1, he talks about how, it, well, in the context, we realize that these people were being written to during a time when persecution was really breaking out against the church. Nero, we believe this was written shortly after Nero had set fire to Rome. We're not sure. It could have been written out shortly before, and God had helped Peter know, or God had revealed to Peter that greater persecution was coming. It doesn't mention Nero by name. But one way or the other, the Christians either already were or were about to be um, accused of setting Rome on fire, 70% of the, the was it 70 of the, um, the city was burned down, half the people were homeless, and people were angry, they were upset. Nero set it on fire, but he blamed the Christians for it. He used this, he used something that he had started as a reason to find a scapegoat, someone to blame, and he blamed the Christians and uh, who had been innocent of this. Sounds some like what, some things never change, do they? Anyway, as we go on, he talks with them about how, how they haven't, uh, he reminds them if they're suffering to remember what? Chapter one, you have an eternal hope. You have an eternal salvation, imperishable, undefiled. It can't be taken away from you. Your, your, your reward in heaven, your salvation is secure. Chapter two, he's talking to us at the end of one and two. He's talking about how the word of God Last, all flesh is like grass. All your opponents, everybody who disagreed with you, near himself. The glory of Rome. 
All of these things, it's like mere grass, it's going to fade away, but the word of God remains forever. And then he reminds us that we're priests, holy priests, and that we have this priestly duty of lifting up, of praising God uh, and declaring his excellencies to men, lifting up our praises to God as well. Chapter 3, he gets into um, family relationships. What do you do if you have a husband who's an unbeliever and he's not treating you well? How do you respond to that? How do you respond to an employer who might be not be treating you well? Again, remember, this is not just general, uh, in general. These are Christians. These are Christians in the midst of suffering. These are Christians in the midst of persecution breaking out. The principles apply always, but he was dealing with something that was really beginning to happen there, this persecution. He, he told us Christ is our example and how Christ suffered under persecution. And this whole theme that we've been talking about, how do we rise above? How do we be better? How do we as believers uh, not get dragged down when people are acting in ungodly ways? How do we not lower ourselves to the level of responding in the flesh when we're people who ought to be responding in the spirit, walking in the power of God, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? We go to chapter four. He talks about, well, he's talked to them about governmental leaders as well in chapter three, submitting, honoring, Chapter 4, loving one another, utilizing your gift, making sure you don't get on the defensive, but you stay on the offensive. You're moving forward with the gospel. You're moving forward with your gift. Whatever God has gifted you to do, whether it's a speaking gift or a serving gift, you're utilizing it to advance the kingdom and that we're moving forward. Chapter 5, he talks about how the church needs to be functioning in the midst of the persecution. Your elders serving, shepherding. Many of them would have been targets of persecution. Many of them would have been uh, in danger, but, but continue to give. And all throughout this, all throughout, we continue to see how he says suffering produces glory. Suffering on earth makes you more like Christ, but there's glory in the future. And he keeps reminding us our true reward is in eternity. We have heaven to look forward to. Many of their opponents didn't. Those who were persecuting them, all they had was this earth. Uh, the believers, they could look forward to heaven. Their true victory, their true reward was in eternity. It wasn't during this temporal time on earth. It was eternal. Now, he wasn't saying, you know, don't fight for things here on earth. Don't desire righteousness, holiness, goodness, justice here on earth. He just sent, reminded him two things. Number one, how you fight for it. We fight differently. We, we overcome by loving people. We overcome by faith. God has given us spiritual weapons that we can use that are not the same as the world's weapons and that ultimately will win. But in, in, the, in the process, our faith is often tempted. We're tempted to not believe. We're tempted to give up. We're tempted to lose hope. We're tempted to think it's too dark. And he reminds us, no, remember the finish line and remember how Jesus fought. With Jesus, it sure looked like he lost at the end, didn't it? It sure looked like he lost. He was hanging on a cross, but he won. Jesus on the cross was the greatest victory ever yet in the history of the world, only to be um, surpassed three days later when he rose from the dead. But the cross was a victory. The resurrection was a victory, but yes, the cross was a victory as well. It was on the cross that Jesus defeated sin. 
It's on the cross that he defeated the devil. The resurrection was God's declaring of this victory. But Jesus won when he went to the cross and when he died for our sins. This was a victory. And he reminds us. And so we get to chapter 5. And he's saying, I'm, I'm reading you, I'm exhorting you, I'm reminding you, this is the true grace of God. What? What is the theme? That even if I'm called to suffer for God, even if I'm called to suffer for Christ, I am blessed. If you're called to suffer for Christ, you are blessed. You know, this is something that, that us believers in America, we haven't had much of. You know, our suffering, we might lose a friend, be canceled ridiculed, mocked. On campus the last 40 years, you know, I get a lot of nasty things said about me, slanders, lies, things written about me false in a newspaper, but that's so mild, so mild. I've had maybe two occasions where someone has physically, you know, two, three that come to my mind, someone's physically done something where it hit me or or knocked me to the ground or something. But again, in 40 years, that's like averaging less than once every decade. It's not very often that you and I have faced real, serious persecution of the nature they were here. We're not used to it. We see movies, read books about people who were burnt at the cross and, and singing God's praises as they died or who went to jail and were suffered, beaten, and so on. You know, we certainly hope those days never come. We don't seek them, and yet should they? Peter tells us this is the true grace of God. Because to the degree we suffer for Christ, to that degree we'll also reign and glorify and rejoice. We will have a proven faith, like it says in chapter 1, that will result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember, in, in Acts chapter 5, I believe verse 41, these were the disciples that when they were beaten, they were, they were ordered not to speak in the name of Jesus. They went right on doing it. And they were called before the authorities again and said, we ordered you not to speak in the name of Christ, in this name again, name of Jesus. And they said, well, we, we're going to obey God rather than men. And they were, they were beaten. They were uh, punished. And it says they went on their way rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer for the name. This is the true grace of God. This is the true grace of God. So do we seek it? I don't think we're to seek it, but we're not to run from it. Uh, if God brings suffering, persecution our way, we will embrace it and say there's glory here. We don't seek it. We don't want it. We appreciate the freedoms we've had. Paul in 1 Timothy 2, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, pray for freedom. Pray that we could lead our Christian life in a godly way. We don't seek persecution, but should it come, God will use it in our lives, and it will be a blessing in our lives, a blessing in disguise. It won't seem like it, but as we rise above. And so, my friends, as we, can, as we, as we are finishing up this book of 1 Peter, um, who knows our future? You know, events in America are changing so dramatically and so quickly. People who seem to want to backlash against evangelicals and really let's be honest the 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 slowdown in our moral descendancy that has occurred in the last several years has just it just seems like a backlash coming against us now 
particularly what's going on in Washington, but Silicon Valley and the cancellation culture, and and uh, I mean goodness, not even Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss are not safe. Let alone evangelical Christians who stand up for moral integrity and rightness and truth. And uh, it's like some of these people just are unhinged now in their in their power hunger against us. So who knows where we're at? Who knows what's coming? But let's not cower down. Let's not be fearful. Let's not. We don't seek it. But let's not be. Uh, let's not be timid. Why? Because should we suffer for Christ, it is our glory. It's hard to believe that, but that's what first. That's the message of First Peter. This is the true grace of God. So we want to stand firm in it. It's hard. It's not easy. We need strength. We need a perspective that sees the hand of God goes far beyond anything that this life can give us and into the eternal glory that we know awaits us on the other side. Amen? Father in heaven, these are heavy words in the book of 1 Peter. They are a great challenge to us who have lived lives that are so comfortable here on earth that uh, by comparison to many of our brethren throughout the centuries, Lord, we have enjoyed such freedom, freedom to think what we want, believe what we want, say what we want, assemble with others who believe similar to us. Lord, we've been able to, I've been able to publicly preach on a campus, and the worst I face is some administrator who's who, who makes me want to get a permit or, or someone who shouts nasty things at me. Father, we're not used to the type persecution that Peter was addressing here in, in the book of 1 Peter. We do pray, Father, it would not come our way. We do continue to pray for freedom in our land and in the world. We do pray for freedom that the gospel could go forth, that we could live our Christian lives in dignity and in, and be and and in freedom. And we do believe, Lord, based on 1 Timothy chapter 2 that this is what you want us to pray for and so we do. And we do pray for our governmental leaders. We pray for their salvation. We pray that Lord they would allow freedom in the land and they would not impose they would not use their power to impose ungodly restrictions and and uh, persecution upon believers. And yet, Father, we realize the freedom we've enjoyed is somewhat unique throughout the history of the world. It's not been common. We've come to appreciate it. We, we need to appreciate it. We don't want to take it for granted. We pray it would continue. But Lord, should it not, I pray that you would give us the grace, the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the boldness, the perspective to view trials and difficulties and hardships as not as something that you've allowed that you will reward greatly. Jesus, I think of how you said in Luke, Luke chapter 6, blessed are you when men persecute you and ostracize you, insult you, consider your name as evil, rejoice and be glad, leap for joy, for that's how they treated the, the prophets who were before you. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that's how they treated the false prophets. Father, I, we, we don't seek people mistreating us.
but we seek to be loyal and faithful to the truth, to stand firm in the grace of God, to stand firm in the truth of God. And then what come what may, Lord, something that we would accept and accept it joyfully and accept it triumphantly and accept it victoriously because this is the true grace of God. Thank you that you give us opportunities to have eternal rewards. Hallelujah, Lord. Something that, that, Lord, I think of Christians who have suffered throughout time, you are giving them opportunities to have eternal rewards because they suffered for the name of Jesus. Father, see, it's just foreign to us. We don't think this way. It's, 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 it's not what we want. It's not what we're used to. But Lord, should it come our way, I pray we would overcome. We'd overcome evil with good. We'd be triumphant. We'd be victorious. We would rise above those who hate and love them in return in the name of Jesus Christ. So we pray for this today, Lord. We pray for this type strength in our lives. We pray for this perspective. We pray we would see eternity. We pray we'd live for it. We pray we'd fix our hope, not on what this world could ever give us. That would just be icing on the cake, Lord. We want to make a difference here, but we, fa- we, we fix our hope completely on the grace that will be brought to us when Jesus returns. Help us to live this way. Lord, it, it, it takes faith because we don't see it. We see things all around us every day. We don't see eternity. Help us to have those eyes of faith. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Help us, Lord, to see the unseen as did Elijah's servant when you opened his eyes. Help us to be like Paul, where where he said, we we look not to the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, because the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are unseen are eternal. And that momentary light affliction is creating for us an eternal weight of glory. So Lord, this is our prayer today. Help us to live for the finish line. Help us to live for that glory. Give us boldness and courage today. Lord, help us to know with everyone we meet, I pray, Lord, we would see no one as insignificant or unimportant. Every soul we meet, Lord, every person whose path we pass today, whether it's just a smile, whether it's a kind word, whether it's a gospel presentation, sharing our testimony, encouraging the faint-hearted, whatever it may be, use us as your instruments of mercy, grace, kindness, and life others real help us today to realize we may be the answer to someone's prayer someone who's been asking you for help someone who's been looking for a way someone who has cried out to you in prayer seeking direction or seeking seeking encouragement or seeking hope we might be the one that is that you send to be the answer to their prayer help us to be alert and ready today and we pray these things for your glory Fill us with your spirit, with your joy, with your power, that we would live triumphant lives this day. All day long, all day long we pray. So bless this day. Take it and use it. This is no insignificant day, for this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, we're coming to the end of First Peter, and I think this will probably be the end. We'll move on to something else tomorrow, so I hope you'll join us. But I want to read the last verse that 
chapter 5, verse 14. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I will send it through the air, through the, the cyberspace, a kiss of love to you. And, um, and, of course, if you want to obey that one, don't let the social distance people realize what, what, um, what you did. And, of course, we can't always do that, and that is somewhat cultural. I'm, I'm having fun with you. I'm joking a little bit. But don't you look forward to those days when it's important, it is important to greet one another, even physically. And we look forward to the days that this virus is in our past. I'm glad some states are opening up. Our governor here in Ohio issued some uh, uh, guidelines yesterday about when when uh, our restrictions would end. We've had two, the two re senatorial candidates for the Republicans called upon our Republican governor uh, yesterday or two days ago. They called upon him to rescind and to open up like Texas is doing and Mississippi and Alabama has announced they're doing. So let's hope this gets past us. Let's hope this gets past us. Let's hope we can get back to being in church where our churches are full. We can sing robustly without needing to wear a mask. We can give one another a healthy handshake or a kiss of love if that's how you greet one another, or, um, a hug or whatever. I'm hoping and I'm trusting that all this is going to be in our rearview mirror someday. And remember, um, one thing I'm looking forward to is not only getting back out on the campus and getting out with the word and, and life to normal, looking forward to our trip to Israel. And if you are ever interested in going to Israel, if you're saying, wow, after all this lockdown and shutdown, I want to get out and travel and see the world, I can't recommend a better trip than to go to Israel with us next February. So if you're interested, I'll post the link in the, in the, comment, or in the description below, but TomThePreacher.com is where you can find information on our trip to Israel. God bless you. You have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. And again, I'm not 100% sure yet. I've got some ideas on where, where we're going next, but you'll want to join us, okay? Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m. I hope to see you right here. God bless you. Have a great day. Remember, stand firm in the grace of God today. Whatever that grace looks like, whatever God brings your way, he'll give you the strength and power. Stand firm in it. Amen? All right. God bless you, and have a great day.